Good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to a special triple play episode of Random Trek. I am your faithful captain, Christopher Ingle, joined as always by my trusty first officer, the man who does not have any genetic uh, augmentations to him, Commander Brennan, the mystical Mar Brennan. How are you doing? They won't find us. Absolutely. What? <laughs> ah yes uh so today we are taking a look at the augment arc from season four of enterprise this is a three episode uh uh, uh impact uh borderland cold station 12 and the augments uh and it's it's a big episode uh so i thought we'd invite our good friend justin toner to join us to discuss uh the augment arc uh for enterprise justin how we doing I'm doing great. Uh, uh, really glad to uh, be back on the show. Love the, love the first time, and um, excited to talk about these episodes. I hadn't watched them in a long time, and uh, uh, I do love Enterprise season four, the best season of the show. And uh, it's like uh, this was the be this was the start of like a string of some really good stuff that came out of uh, season four Enterprise. So oh, yeah, uh, it'll be fun to talk about this. Uh, but starting out, before we get into Trek, uh, I do have to make mention, uh, I'm a I'm a big fan in the world of, of athletes, and we're going to talk about this, athletes who get into science fiction, who get into, into Trek. We're actually going to talk about today uh, a, a certain wrestler who makes an appearance as an actor. And we've seen history of, of, of uh, athletes coming in and joining Star Trek. But uh, we lost someone this week who's really big in the world of football. He was never in Star Trek, but he was in one of my all-time favorite sci-fi movies, Mars Attacks. Uh, and that is uh, former Browns running back, Jim Brown. Uh, he passed away uh, just uh, the other day. Uh, and I have such a vivid memory of him just in that movie, Boxing, uh, 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 the the <laughs> the aliens, and the thing is, I love science fiction, but I can't help but think that even even Tim Burton was a little influenced by some of Star Trek too. Uh, yeah. and I just I loved seeing him in that film. Uh, and it, I was just sad to see him pass away as he was such a prolific part of that movie. Uh, real quick, Brennan, do you do you remember him in that movie? I actually don't. I saw the movie once and I don't recall. Oh. But but I do recall the movie I think was called One Night in Miami. Mm -hmm. Which Jim Brown was the character in there. I do recall that. Like quite a good film. Yeah. Uh, one thing also to make mention of really quick. Ralph Sudetsky who directed seven episodes of the original series. Turned 100 years old on May 1st. Oh, wow. And he wow. has appeared on the Enterprise Incidents podcast with uh, Scott Nance and Steve Morris. He's appeared at least three times on their podcast. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to the interviews of this guy, he remembers everything about working on those episodes. No, I'd like to make a special mention of him. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and again, normally we talk you know, a lot about Star Trek, but there are some individuals that we have in our lives that I think influenced us. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, Brown was one of them. He was also in Small Soldiers, another kind of weird sci-fi mm, yeah. movie mm-hmm. play that I, I just absolutely love. Uh, and he was in so much else. He also was in uh, a season of TJ Hooker, mm-hmm. connecting it to Captain Kirk himself. Yeah, uh, you know Shatner. So yeah, so. it's uh... <laughs> But uh, I, I want to get into this, but I just wanted to make mention to it because you know, very big name to me. I was a little little stunned oh, yeah. by it. We're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know, rest in peace, Jim. You you probably would have been on an, an uh, episode of Enterprise like this one we're going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's get into this. So the augment arc, uh, gentlemen. Let's talk a little bit because I think this is going to come up for us. Okay. Let us talk about the impact of one Khan Nunyan Singh. Mm. Ah, yes. We yeah. have referenced him. Of course, we've looked at the Wrath of Khan. We have talked. Uh, uh, we've talked Spacey. And next week we'll be looking at, well, we'll get there in a minute. We'll get there. Uh, but it's interesting how the legacy of the character Khan keeps coming back to us. Justin, mm-hmm. I do want to start with you. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the legacy of Khan and how that had affected you as you watched this trio of episodes. Um, it's definitely a factor because um, this was a really clever way for the writers to, uh, on Star Trek Enterprise, using the fact that Enterprise is a prequel to um, TOS and the rest of the Star Trek series to do like not one but two tie-ins. They tie in um, the Eugenics Wars and Khan and at the same time as well, uh, uh, the uh, whole uh, deal with uh, the Soon family uh, and, and that whole legacy leading uh, tying to uh, uh, data's creation by the time TNG rolls around. So it's like you get like two things kind of wrapped together in a very interesting way. And especially the one uh, it's like I took, I didn't re- realize kind of like the tie in until I was rewatching this episode because, um, uh, as we're talking about, uh, there's Dr. Eric soon. Um, well, I'm guessing was uh, Dr. Noonien soon, data's creator, uh, grandfather. Uh, I'm assuming at least grandfather, not great. Yeah, grandfather or great grandfather. Yeah, he data's data's creator, his father, you know, also Lord and all the other injuries. Nunian soon. Nunian, of course, is Khan's middle name. So soon family always. They're, they're, um, I guess the family still had, I guess, an, an affinity for uh, eugenics wars and elements yeah. at some point because uh, you know it's like it's. Uh, I like how they that also kind of like tied into that as well. You know, it's like, um, and um, they talk, it's like Khan is directly referenced as we'll get to, uh, and discussed. Um, and I like how they dealt with this about the kind of like, like, uh, more directly talking about like how Earth and humanity looks back on the eugenics wars. And its impact on how they view the whole subject genetic engineering, which has come up other times in Star Trek, um, and th- and there's there's one reference and scene that ties into another episode that I'll 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 bring up if nobody else does. So, um, 
he he's definitely um you definitely feel it and it's like you kind of like you kind of like wondering like man uh you only imagine if uh khan had access to the amount of augments that could potentially could have been unleashed if uh sung had uh been able to uh enact what he was planning on doing in this episode mm -hmm. uh it's like perish the thought <laughs> as we see with uh especially if uh, he got guys like uh uh malik um mm. you know it's like uh uh created <clears throat> versus um <clears throat> more level-headed um augmented uh humans in, in contrast <clears throat> well said i think um Han's shadow looms large over Star Trek. Every villain has been compared to him. Yeah. Every Star Trek movie is compared to the Wrath of Khan. We see that the augment situation has expanded and we've seen it discussed in Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, just on and on about the just the shadow of Khan, mm -hmm. and I do like that they make specific reference to Khan in this episode. I've got a lot of people thinking that the whole botany bay thing is a myth, which is kind of interesting. And then I do like that these episodes actually talk a little bit about why the issue of genetic engineering might not be as cut and dry as we once thought. Mm -hmm. And I do like that they delve into the ethics there. And also the idea that if you have a race of people who think they are superior, well, all you have to do is open your history books and you will see the suffering that that has caused without genetic engineering in our world. So it's very interesting. And also I have to make mention before we dive in, Malik is played by Alec Newman, mm -hmm. who only a few years before this mm -hmm. had played another quote unquote genetically modified human in the form of Paul Atreides. In the sci-fi channel, Frank Herbert's Dune and Children of Dune. Mm -hmm. Yet again, playing another complicated leader complex guy. And so it's interesting to see him come back to do that kind of role again. Well, you make reference that, and it is interesting, and I was going to bring this up, but since, since your message uh, said it, um, <laughs> in the same year in a TV miniseries, he also plays Victor Frankenstein. That's right. That's right. Oh, so, I yeah. Speaking I mean, of genetic engineering. <laughs> this continues uh, an interesting, interesting way uh, of the horrors that go on, and this actor actually goes into a lot of he he they he he tried to do an unaired uh, redo of the show Dark Shadows, which eventually was redone mm -hmm, by mm -hmm. Tim Burton. Uh, he has been a part of of the uh, series Dracula, uh, that was short lived right. but on NBC. Right. This guy has a horror history too; he understands horror. But I do like that comparison with with the uh, 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 with the Dune series on uh sci-fi channel yeah uh, because obviously sci-fi channel also 
has its has its roots in its later years with Star Trek as well. Yeah. So you know, this stuff starts to play with each other really and well. Alec Newman, I must say, gives a fantastic performance in this mm-hmm. series. Yeah. Well, let's get into that. Uh so I'm gonna breeze through each episode because there are three episodes. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll we'll kind of break down piece by piece as we see things go through. Okay. Uh so let's start with the first episode, Borderland. So we open up year 2154. Um when... May 17th, the day I watched it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um a group of individuals managed to take over a Klingon bird of prey. Um, and they all we quickly find out they are genetically enhanced humans. Um, the Klingons are throwing a fit because all they see are humans and they're threatening war. So Starfleet sends the Enterprise to stop them. Uh, in order to do that, Archer visits Dr. Eric Soon, uh, who at this point is the earliest soon that we've ever seen. Of course, we, no. we would see hard. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I believe that this guy is the grandfather of that soon, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, the one, yeah, the one that we see in Borderlands. Is, I think he's his I grandfather. Grandfather, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, he's, he, he's at least the grandfather of Dr. Noonien soon. Dr. Noonien soon, yeah. But he's probably maybe the great, also. The grandson of the soon that uh we see in Picard season two when they're in the or yeah he's the grand yeah grandson of the one from Picard grandfather of Noonien Singh I believe and the genetics apparently they all look very similar yes uh anyway he is in trouble he's actually in prison we meet him in prison uh he mm-hmm. stole genetically augmented embryos that that's why he's being held he's a genius um Archer takes him because we need help finding them and no one understands the augments better than him. Um, Soon, of course, at that point does quickly realize why he's there, that it's the augments that did this. Um, But he still doesn't quite know why he's there, but he's piecing it together. Um, They figure that he can order his children. He considers them his children. He can help them. He's still in like Mm -hmm. 20 years before. So the Enterprise enters an area known as the Borderland, which is between the territories of the Orions and the Klingons. Mm. They're attacked immediately by two Orion vessels, and nine crew members are kidnapped, including T'Pol, who, by the way, is now fully a Starfleet commander. She resigned Mm -hmm. from from, uh, the Klingon, or from the from Vulcans, too many yeah. species, from uh, uh, the Vulcan High Command uh, due to events in past episodes. So now she is fully with Starfleet. She is a rank of commander. Uh, they're taken to an Orion slave market, Archer, uh, a couple of Makos, as well as um, as well as uh, Sung go down there uh, to kind of rescue. They're going to rescue them. So they enter the market. Um we find that they're able to beam back most of them, but not all of them. Uh, Paul's got a restraint on her that they've got to, got to figure out. Uh, they end up creating chaos uh, in order to get them out. Mm-hmm. Soon attempts to escape, but fails. He reaches a console, uh, does something on the console, but, but fails. Uh, Archer gets him back to the Enterprise. Everyone gets back to the Enterprise, and they try and warp out as fast as they can. They got to run. Um... 
he demands uh, that Soon take him immediately to the Enterprise or to the Augments. Soon refuses. While uh, meanwhile, the the Augments, what's happening is we discover kind of their dynamic. We have Rakan, who is their leader, uh, and Persis is the second in command. Uh, he wants power. Rakan is like, no, we need to go through with Father's plan the way it was. He disagrees and kills him. And as a result, takes command and says, let's go do everything we're supposed to do. Our and way. you're referring to Malik. Just so Malik, everyone... yes, Malik, sorry. Malik, yes, Malik. Um, oh, it's, it's confusing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the Bird of Prey approaches the Enterprise uh, because they, they save them from another Orion attack. They dock the ship and the Enterprise thinks that they are Klingons, but they come in and they storm the ship, taking soon uh, with them. Um, Archer and then kind of get the beat down. They lose this fight pretty badly in the first time. Enterprise is disabled uh, and soon announces that with his group that they're going to go save their brothers and sisters, the embryos that they left behind. Before. And that ends the episode. Yes. All right. So. Uh, let's talk about this episode. Uh, I, I want to do. I do want to talk about Soong. Soong is interesting yeah. in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once again, Brent Brent Spiner can do no wrong. We've really discovered it over the years that Brent Spiner, once he's left to go, is amazing. Uh, Brennan, how do you feel about Brent uh, as as this Soong iteration and how it plays into into this character so far? I would say he's pretty good. I think that sometimes when Brent Spider gets into acting, he gets a little nasally. It's a little bit distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, gets a little much, but I think overall he does a good job. Mm-hmm. But seeing yet another Soong, the Soong family's fascination with protecting the human race has caused some troubles. Mm-hmm. But it was really great to see him in this story get Brent Spiner back in Star Trek. After I don't think we had seen him on screen since, uh, well, two years, uh, a couple of years before this with mm-hmm. Nemesis. Uh, Nem- Nemesis. Um, but I think it was really great to see him. And I do like to see that a Soong is caught up in some questionable activities. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy with him as as we see him go through that there is, and we'll see it throughout that there's actually an arc to him that this is not an evil man. This is a man who believes in what he believes in. He just happens to believe in something that society says is wrong. And he points out that Archer's dad died of the disease called Clark disease. Clark's disease could have been saved mm-hmm. if humanity had permitted genetic engineering. It opens up this morally debatable question of genetic engineering, mm-hmm. which, uh, though we're nowhere near this level now, I think these questions come up now when you talk about cloning and you talk about genetics and the idea of do we tinker 
with DNA? Do we and, tinker and with as the years go on, these, these episodes might become more relevant. Yeah. Uh, sure. I, and I want to ask you, Brennan, uh, you know, yeah. obviously, you know, mm. what are your stances on this idea of genetic manipulation? Oh. I mean, uh, you know, uh, tell our, our viewers a little bit. You mention it in most of your shows. You know, if if Soom's right, how could that help you personally? Well, it'd be interesting because this has been talked about. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that I think that what the situation is is that I like the moral dilemma of these episodes. Because mm -hmm. I think genetic engineering to help people with certain diseases wouldn't be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. To sort of make supermen that might be a problem. And it's a very fine line and so it's very complicated because it depends on whose hands is it in. Mm -hmm. And Star Trek has handled this before. I mean, we get, uh, uh, um, we get, of course, the the augments that we meet in DS Nine, including mm -hmm. Doctor Bashir. You know, we learned. Which, okay. Let me just say, as a handicapped person, mm -hmm. I'm not particularly fond of the way they portray those characters in D Space Nine. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the performances, but I'm not keen on. They're genetically engineered, so they're all autistic, basically. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like I, that's I, a little I, limiting. Yeah, it's they play with the stereotypes a bit too much. Yeah, and the whole idiots about thing. Yes, very uh, Rain Man kind of thing going on. Yeah, but still, the idea that. Are these people dangerous? Do they mm, have potential? Point, look yeah. at look at Bashir. Bashir is the example of this. Yeah, Bashir Bashir's not dangerous. No, he's not. No, not at all. You know, and, but where's the fine line? I yeah. understand why the yeah. Federation has the laws that it did. I bring up Khan Nunyan Singh. We understand why that exists. Mm. We totally get it. In mm -hmm. fact, I'm still a fan here that I I would love to see. A mini series of the eugenics war. Mm. Just look through yeah. the history and the Botany Bay being sent away. Now, again, it's very ambiguous as to whether they ran as the Botany Bay ran, mm -hmm. or were, was this a prison colony? Hard to say. Mm, yeah. I would love to have something about this because it plays such an important part in Star Trek history. And mm -hmm. we have even seen in canon, uh, I think we think back to Voyager in the year 1996, the eugenics wars hadn't happened yet. Uh, but it was described mm. in the original series that it was in the 1990s that the eugenics wars occurred. Obviously a bit of an alternate history, but you know. Slightly, but the point is that we're it right still be that, cool to see it. Yeah, we're right in that range. That I would love to see that. Do the eugenics wars lead into World War Three? Are the eugenics wars of World War Three the same thing? I don't know, but I would love to really kind of get more answers mm, about Colonel this. Green. Yeah, yeah, Colonel Green. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, my my point my point here is that I, I think the merits of it are valid. Absolutely. I mean. I would love to see it where, you know, I obviously clearly friends, Brennan, you are my friend. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see you have the ability to walk on your own, 
to go without your ventilator, to be able to do the things that we probably just and I take for granted. Mm -hmm. You know, I would love that. I would love nothing more than that. I teach children who have intellectual disabilities that I would love for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean we need to change who they are. I just give them a fighting chance to function in the world that we have. Particularly if this disease is worse than mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the kind that are almost death sentences. Yeah. I can think of people with with um with MS, people yeah, with Parkinson's disease, you know, it's like Parkinson's. Yeah. Uh, I can go on an Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's yeah. dementia. It's like there's so many. All of these, which are have genetic predispositions, you know, are, yeah. are have genetic factors to them. So as we see in Star Trek, mm-hmm. if it's in the hands of the wrong people. What can happen then? <laughs> you know, yeah, and here's the here's the interesting thing too. Star Trek and thank you, DS9 has also approached the idea of characters that are still in wheelchairs, characters mm-hmm. that are still disabled. Uh so, that one so if I could point out Melora is a complete jerk and shouldn't have been allowed to get away <laughs> with being a jerk. And You're I right. You're right, but nonetheless, still, well, well, Jordy, you that... know, Jordy was born blind, which you yes. think would uh yes. would not happen with you know the kind of medical technology that star trek has but when you find out when they explain later about you know the bands that they have about genetic engineering and research then jordy being born blind makes more sense mm-hmm. you know it's like that that's something that could with if those bands didn't exist he may not have been born blind it, it also it is like you know, it's like that that like that that retroactively plays a more even bigger part about his character that he was born blind with the discussions that happen later in the franchise about genetic engineering and the restrictions and the feelings against it because of the fear of another con being created. It all makes that, the it all makes that moment in insurrection so beautiful. When Jordy, yeah. for the first time, gets to see a sunset with normal eyes. Oh, the, remember the episode on um, the Masterpiece Society where they they meet a whole colony of people who are gene- uh, that are genetically engineered that mm, they left Earth right. because of the to do exactly what Soon is talking about in this episode. Mm, interesting and about and you know the, and they're you know the, and they're you know that how they react to Jordy like like. Uh, you, they, you were born blind you know it's like that would not happen here it's like it's like we would have prevented that while you were still in the womb you know it's like mm. you know it's like you know it's, so the throughout trek they they've done a good job over over time of addressing this topic and, and they do it a good job again especially in the scene that um is in the the final episode i don't want to get to it yet um which is one of my favorite scenes of the whole arc um, about where this topic is directly discussed between two mm-hmm. characters, so we'll get to that. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like um, they, yeah, it's like so, yeah, it's like Son comes off. He's an antagonist. It, it's like, and he's he makes questionable decisions and does some bad stuff, but you also understand why he's doing it because he feels he's right, mm-hmm. and that makes for a very compelling character. And also the fact that um, he likes and respects the Enterprise crew. And he also doesn't want to hurt people. Like he he goes out of his way 
trying to, you know, like, you know, like, like he says, like, I don't want people killed. I don't want you to hurt anybody. It's like, you know, it's like, he's not, he's not like a, like someone who's fanatically evil, all about violence. He's not a con. He is not a con. Yeah. He's not like con. Uh, He believes in creating the superior human, but he's still, he's doing it out of a love for humanity. And it comes off in how he he's like he resists uh, having to kill uh, or, or hurt anybody. Right. Like he like he it's like even though kind of like Archer and them don't buy it, it's like the way that Spider performs it. He feels bad when like certain things happen. Like I, you know, like I didn't mean like especially with what happened with the Orion, the Ryan's kidnapping to Paul and the crewman. And he's like, because Archer's like, you knew that was going to happen when we went. You know, it's like that that in he's like. He's like, he's like, but but nobody got harmed. We got them all back before nobody got hurt. It, it's like, you know, trying to, you know, justify his his actions. You know, it's like, and it, so. I also like um, that the episode brings up the fact that Earth could not decide what to do with those embryos. Yeah. Because there's an ethical conundrum right there. You yeah. Just, and that, if you destroy them, you're not giving them a chance to live. But if they live, they could end up being like cunts. So you never, you know. And very that's tricky. also very topical very to tricky. today with you know the way that you know. Yeah. It's like uh, it, it, when Archer later refers to that, the discussion of whether to destroy the embers or not after the eugenics wars was a very he said was very controversial. So they decided to sidestep it by just putting them in storage and storing them away in mm-hmm. secret. So uh, rather than deal with the you know the ethics of you know it's like is it right for us to you know destroy these or not mm-hmm. you know it's like it, it it's 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 very kind of like side related to like the whole um abortion yeah uh, discussion. there's a lot of tricky ethics in this stuff but yeah. in that matter they're also just punting the problem down the road exactly that's Doing something that is yeah. very common today yes. and that is Yes, mm-hmm. we're not going to deal with it. We're just going to give it to the next generation to handle. Yeah, I mean, not to say anything political. There was a decision made fifty years ago by the Supreme Court, which was recently changed, which I think is the ultimate example of let's leave that for later instead of Congress actually doing something. So we see this in real life. That people put things off, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, oh, and of course we have to talk about who's running the Orion slave auction. Yes, I was just going to get to guest stars here in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know we we've talked soon. We love soon. Uh, there are two guest stars in this episode. One quick, one not so quick. Uh, I have to give mention to JG uh, Hertzler. Yeah, starts That's out. Right. He's That's the right. Klingon captain. Yes, but I know that voice. Yeah, uh, that truth. I forgot he was in this episode until I heard. I was like, "Oh, that's JG." Yeah, and this is not the. And this, of course, the second time he's appeared on Enterprise as JG Yeah, he's playing tooth. a Klingon with both his eyes, which is yes. cool. Uh-huh. Uh, JG Hertzler, for those of you who don't know, uh, is famous on DS9 for playing. General and eventually Chancellor Martok. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here he's the Klingon captain. He's just a Klingon captain. We don't know much else. Uh, but it was just a quick, very quick thing. He's not in it for long. But again, that voice. Yes, I we all that know voice. that voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Unmistakable. But the head of the Orion uh, slave auction, 
who gets no name. I don't you're yeah, the head named. of the unit. He's not mm. named. He's just Orion Slaver number one. And does some pretty interesting things that I like, and I want to talk a little bit about it. Uh, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna leave it to Justin. Justin, yeah, tell us who this person is. Uh, yes, the uh, the head of the slave auction, uh, who's a very large seven foot man, uh, is uh, Paul White, aka the Big Show, a professional wrestler, uh, who uh, uh, at the time, uh, for a good chunk of his career, worked for uh, WWE, and uh, it's like he was. This was 2004, and he was um, uh, uh, one of the major uh, wrestlers for WWE at the time. Um, so. And uh, it's very interesting. This is, of course, the, the second time that a famous WWE wrestler appeared on Star Trek. The first, of course, was Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock, uh, who guest starred in an episode of Star Trek Voyager, uh, where he beat the crap out of 7 and 9. <laughs> and then, of course, Tony, uh, Tiny Lister. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, this is not the first time. Yeah, a wrestler, obviously. Of course, we had The Rock, which is probably the biggest one. But yes. Uh, uh, Tommy Tiny Lister is who I was thinking of, Tom McGee. And actually, a lot of wrestlers have also doubled in stunt work and yeah. kind of background things. So wrestlers in Star Trek is not an uncommon thing. But this guy gets to do some stuff that I never, I mean, it's very rare. And I feel bad for Jolene Blaylock in this episode. Because she's so tiny. He pulls her up to the podium to be sold. And I'm not joking. We watch, and I thought maybe it was a trick of camera work. No. He picks her up and holds her up like Simba in The Lion King for everyone to see. How, as Jolie Blaylock, does she stand there the whole time, straight-faced at Vulcan? I bet that took a lot of scene work to do. Because I would have giggled. <laughs> and she's tiny. She's really, really. tiny, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, she is. She is very oh, small. I think Justin muted himself accidentally. Oh, Justin did mute himself. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Big <laughs> time continuum. Yeah, I was, I was, I was coughing. I didn't want to. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah, um, but Justin, I know you're a wrestling fan. So, how did you mm-hmm. feel about uh, the Big Show getting getting his time here? It's not too bad. I mean, like you know, it's like it's, this is like uh, you know, was, I think this was his first time ever doing any kind of serious acting gig, as far as I remember. Mm-hmm. Um. He, he he would make other appearance. Oh wait, no, no. Uh, before this, he did uh, the Water Boy. Uh, mm, yeah, right, Captain Insano. So <laughs> this was not the okay. So this is not the first time he had done acting. So um, it's, it's like he's not bad. He just you know he's supposed to be you know a big heavy. Um, he gets to say some funny lines. Especially my favorite is uh, it's like when uh when Tapal is sold. And he's like he, he, he like he, you know he holds her up like 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 almost like you know someone holding up Grogu like enjoy on, on like the Mandalorian and and goes well, I didn't make that much more <laughs> that much when I sold my mother it was his <laughs> last <laughs> wife yeah you're doing <laughs> well three six million yeah. three million six not even my last wife sold for that much yeah it's like. Uh, the Orions. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 a, it's a, it's just a, it's a small part, you know. It's like he's meant to be intimidating, and uh, you know, it's like he does his job. He has some yeah. funny lines. Uh, I do also love that um, when um, uh, Archer and Soon uh, enact their plan to uh, get T'Pol and the other crewmen free from the Orions, uh, that in the chaos, uh, T'Pol gets to uh, deliver a, a little uh, uh, kick, a uh, low blow. 
mm. to uh, the Big Show's character to drop him. And, and apparently, uh, when you kick an Orion male in the, in the in I guess the... I guess they they have the their uh, <laughs> genitals in the same place that humans do. Yeah, unlike, apparently uh, they Kirk go found down... out in Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country. The you know some alien species don't have their uh, yeah. <laughs> their genitals in the same place that uh, some humanoids do. Like and humans. apparently, kicking an Orion male in the crotch will take him down good. Yeah, because he's out of it. He doesn't. He doesn't. He, he that, that's la- that's that's his last scene is uh, is uh, Tapala getting a payback for uh, way he, she was treated earlier. And we, um, and we also have to include randomly. They have to include the Orion slave woman. Yes, and the camera lingers on her for a bit. Obviously, there's a bit of a continuity error with that that really bugs me. Mm. Stuff they've set up that I'm like, wait a second, come on. Uh, it was an obvious also... nod to you know the menagerie slash the cage. No, and I get that, but what bothers me to this is we've established with Orions that the women, uh, Orion women have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of effect and pheromones and things like that. Why are we selling them off? It just doesn't. It, it didn't. I think add it's up. all a trick. I think it's all a trick. It could be, and I don't think that had been established by. Yeah, this because point. in 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 like like beta canon sources, bound. like in some of the yeah. novels and other comics, it's established that the Orion's, uh, especially the Syndicate, Orion Society is matriarchal, like because the women are in charge because of their because of their ability because the they can control the males with the pheromones. It was so a, the charge. episode Bound where we learned the true nature of their society. Right, and I obviously uh, lower decks has expanded on that a little bit with Tendi. To, you know. I'll, I'll just call Tendi my animated girlfriend. Can I call her that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this Hopefully was the, that's not creepy. This was the first appearance in thirty-five years of the Orions. Mm. It's been thirty-five years. Nineteen sixty-nine in the animated series was the last time we yeah, saw this... uh, saw them. So yeah, it was, it was nice to them to. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things I love about Enterprise about revisiting. You know, like you know stuff from TOS that hadn't really been touched on by any other Trek series. You know, the Andorians and the Tellarites. We got more with uh, with them, especially Andorians by Shran. And then, yeah. you know, the, the the Orion Syndicate here. You know, the Orion Syndicate has been mentioned before and kind of like referenced in it's like, I think um, you know, there was the whole episode in DS9 where um, uh, Chief O'Brien went undercover in the Syndicate during the Dominion War. Um, but that was for the non-Orion part of the syndicate. You know, like this is we're seeing, you know, the Orions themselves yeah. in action here. Um and the and how they operate. You know, it's like uh uh it's very very it was it was cool to see them brought back in uh and used this way, you know, it's like as part of the plot. Yeah. Cool. It was right. it was nice, yeah. And I, I really enjoyed I I think for overall for this episode, it's it's very cohesive. The tension is there. Um I, I like the the idea of the the Orions here is kind of a kind of a stepping stone, and in the end, it kind of serves as a way for Soong. She knew what he was doing; they had a plan. It oh, yeah. may not have been a fully fleshed out plan, but they kind of knew. And and I like this, and it plays into it. Um, Flying by the seat of his pants, kind of yeah. plan. If but I was, have fun. any criticism, mm-hmm. I think the guy who plays Rakeen is really boring. Yeah, I yeah, I have to agree. He's really stiff. His, his his performance didn't, yeah. Uh, and the Alec Newman, of course, is great. And I think uh, I forget the name of the actress, but Persis 
is a pretty good character in the after a while she just sort of becomes the she's the girlfriend of whoever's in charge you know, Abby Bramble Abby Bramble. Yeah, that's the actor's name. It's really cute, by the way. <laughs> I I don't know. I get to, I, I and I'll get into it. I get a little tired of Malik after a while. Mm, okay, that's fair. It, yeah, it's like especially by the final uh, episode of the arc, it's like Alec Newman's chewing the scenery just a little mm, bit too much yeah, okay. with the character that's, and that's getting true, yeah. into very cartoony level villainy. There's not uh, a lot of and I'll, I I this is my major problem with him with him. Is there's not a lot of complexity to him. He is just yeah. mustache twirling. I'm better than you, nyahaha, and that's it. Khan at He's least a... had some complexity to him. Yes, mm. there was complexity there. The Sungs have some complexity. There's ideas there. Him, he's just, I'm better than you, nyahaha. That's yeah. it. And, and I don't. Like a, and he and he's very thuggish in his behavior. You yeah, know, it's I like don't... especially toward uh, Persis. I don't, like I, I don't really like him. We're not made to like him, but I just no, I don't. Like, and it all this does is justify why the Federation has the laws that it does. This is your reason right here. Mm-hmm. And it gives it a bad name. And I, I know, I, I get it, but it, it frustrates me some. <laughs> and of course, um, their, their Mad Max inspired clothing is very interesting. I, I, I don't know. Interesting, good way. Especially in contrast to like uh, Persis, who is, uh, yeah, she's one of the, she's one of the augments, but she's not, she's not like like Malik or Khan. She, she's like reasonable. You know, it's like, and it, it, it's like, and it, you know, it's like, and you know, it's like has like you know conscience and is like thinking about their actions. You know, even though she like, you know, like worries about you know her own safety and does what she does in order to survive but you know it's like as you see later she definitely has a bit of conscience that um comes into play there are a couple little touches aesthetic touches that i do like and don't like that were in this episode then we'll move on uh number one uh (laughs) archer's chair is the the chair that we mm-hmm. talked about in the uh, Nemesis? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the end yeah, of Nemesis, Nemesis that was taken away. This is the same chair. It's the the seatbelt chair. Classic mm-hmm. prop recycling by Star Trek. You know? I love it. I noticed it. I was like, I saw it. I saw it. Um, the also the the transporter pad has been redone. It's mm-hmm. uh, the whole yep. room has been completely redone, which is cool. I'm, I'm fine with that. What I don't like about this. Mm. Is the redesign of the Klingon birds of prey that make them more towards uh, the late uh, yeah. TOS era uh, to more like the movies mm. because their their warp uh, their warp effect as well as their overall aesthetic is not in line with me to what we saw in TOS for Klingon birds of prey. It's more like the movies because like that effect. I was like that reminds me of the the bird of prey effect that you saw from the bounty in uh, mm-hmm. Search for Spock in uh, Voyage Home when they would go to warp. To be fair, all we ever really saw back in the day, uh, I think, were the, was it the K-7s? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah. K-7s. The, yeah, the, or the, 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 the D-7s. The, the, or the D-7s, yeah. yeah, the, yeah the D-7 battle cruisers. Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess that's kind of more in the line of what I was looking for. These just feel more modern than and should spacious, be and spacious yes yeah it it's just more I, spacious than a normal it felt, it felt like it felt like more like a 
um, late 23rd or, uh, to 24th century version of a bird of prey than it should be. That, like, that's one of the weird things about the retroactive continuity Yeah, in Enterprises. Why are things more advanced in the past? I don't know. I, it's I the same problem it. with Stranger Worlds because in Stranger Worlds, the Enterprise it, it doesn't look exactly like it does at TOS either. You know, yeah. that's, and maybe they'll redesign it at the end but of the But I kind of get that. I get, and I, yeah. I give it a little bit of, okay, this is time. We we pay homage, we give aesthetic, but we we augment with what we have to where kind of where we want to be. And heck, all the messing up of history they've done in Star Trek. I'll, I'll put it this way. Surprise me. It's, it's George lucas it, but in a good way. The idea of special edition, like I can go back and change things, adjust things, move things to war in line with where I want. And you have the technology and the means to do it. I'll buy it. I'll go with it. Okay. But continuity wise, we get established as to what something should or shouldn't look like. Uh, the Enterprise looks like it's something that comes before 100 years before TOS. That yeah. makes sense to me. The bird of prey just does. It looks out yeah. of place. It looks too yeah. advanced. I agree. So I, I'm glad they didn't cloak. Thank you for not mm. cloaking so much. Because we get yeah. that later in this season with uh, the Romulans. And I'm right with that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it's a little thing. It's something I just don't like. Uh, but it's minute. It doesn't really play heavily. It's just something that I noticed. Mm-hmm. So let's go on to Cold Station 12, which for me is my favorite of the three. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, soon in the augments are on their way uh, to rescue the the embryos uh, that exist. Um, Archer and his and an crew. an asteroid base called mm-hmm. Cold Station 12. Right. Uh, Astro, uh, Archer and his crew proceed to the coordinates that were originally given to them by soon. Um, they go to the planet Trellis 4, where they discovered an abandoned building where the augments were raised as children by Sung, raised in mm-hmm. school. Um, they find a banished member uh, of the augments named Udar, who prefers to be called Smike, which mm-hmm. is a, a reference to Nicholas Nickleby. Nicholas Nickleby, yes. Uh, I love that. Always Nicholas's handicapped friend. Yeah, yeah, because Archer recognizes the reference because he, he, it's like I get he's a. a Guess a fan of uh, that particular kind of literature. Yep. Well read. Well yes. read. Yeah. Um, they realize that his DNA is similar, but not. He doesn't have any of the advanced abilities except for hearing, which comes up later. Mm-hmm. Ex machina, but mm-hmm. He's not as augmented as the other augments. He's as so. close to normal. And yeah. They, and they possible. quote unquote reject. Well. They rejected him. He, he says he would slow them down, but they basically rejected him. Well, we find out later, and we kind of see this, that he was rejected by one individual. Boy, I wonder which individual that was. Yeah. Well, you, you see the dirty looks the rest of the team gives them, so... Yeah. They, I think they it's weren't clear happy. they all don't like him. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, soon in the augments, use the... It's the Barzai, by the way. That is the name of the Klingon Bird of Prey. The Bar... Mm. Or no. No, excuse me. The Barzai is the Denobulan ship. That's right. Yes. They capture a Denobulan medical ship and use that to get in. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Anyway, they get into mm. C-12. Uh, they overpower security. C-12 is a Federation and Denobulan combination. Uh, it's a medical research facility that holds deadly pathogens, but it is also the storage place of the embryos. Um, they overpower everyone. They take over its chief medical officer, Dr. Lucas. Dr. Lucas. Who, 
is a good friend of Doctor Flox's. Uh, and the actor and, and the actor has appeared in quite a few things. Richard, and he's Wiley. been in Star Trek before. Uh, on top of that, too, he's been in Star Trek. He was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He has know. been in. He's that actor. He's a lot. When you yeah. see him, he's that actor. He's done. Movies. He's a recognizable character actor. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Uh, I, I do love Richard Riley. Uh, he's done so many other films and stuff. We can go into Richard Riley in a little bit because. Uh, we will, and he's an important part of this, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah. he's the head of this facility. He refuses to give the codes. He says, I don't know them. Rules have changed. I can't let you in. Uh, and it creates a hostage situation that occurs. In fact, a very brutal hostage situation. Yeah, things get pretty brutal. Yes. This might be the most brutal Star Trek has gotten until, like, uh, Discovery Season 1. Malik says, hey, let's take one of the scientists and infect them with a pathogen. And show them the damage that can be done if they don't help us. Very brutal scene. Soong is not for it. No. But he's like, okay, put him in there. Uh, and because, saying, because give Lucas me the... won't talk. He won't give up. Yeah. The give me the codes. Code give to... me the codes. Give me the codes. Give me the codes. He doesn't give him the codes. Uh, and so they infect the pathogen. And he's saying, please give me the codes. Give me the codes. You see a crack start to happen in Soong. Soong's like, no, 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 no. Uh, and then he, in the end, um, he gives the guy that's in there the antipathogen, but it's too late. It's, it's pretty it's, horrible death. It is a pretty horrible death. Yeah, he, he dies. And you can see that Sung doesn't want to kill anybody. No. It doesn't. He doesn't want to do that. And Dr. Lucas is you know, devastated. Meanwhile, he, uh, yeah. meanwhile, Phlox and Archer, uh, along with the Makos, beam down. Now, I have to make mention here. Phlox, being Denobulan, uh, Phlox is for genetic augmentation done right. Denobulans don't have any laws against it because their species has a different set of values and it's never been a problem. Mm. It's never been an issue with them. Yep. Uh, and this, we'll talk about this momentarily. Phlox discusses that. And I really, really like that aspect of here. There's a, com a, a conversation between Phlox and Archer about this, why the Denobulans could do it, and the the Terrans Earth couldn't couldn't do it. And it's an interesting discussion. But they get down there, um, they manage to make it into into the the holding area, and Flox gets captured, uh, and everyone gets put into the holding cell. Flox gets put into the chamber, and it's going to happen next. And in the end, the Doctor gives the coats. He says, "Okay, enough, enough. This ends." Uh, and he does end up giving the code. It speaks to his how he uh, uh, his friendship with Flox because it's like he refused to give up the code for the other guy. But when Malik puts Flox in there and threatens to kill him, he gives up the code. Right he now, crowds. now while they're down there, T'Pol has orders, and Archer gave her orders beforehand. Uh, basically, on word they had orders to destroy the station, including them, if needed. He manages to get the orders off at the last second and says, do it to Paul. Uh, and they go to fire down on the ship. However, the Klingon ship with the augments interferes, preventing them from being able to do so. Uh, Lucas gives them the codes uh, and soon and, and them go down. However, um, Malak, as a parting gift, if we shall call that, mm -hmm decides to not allow Smike 
to have to deal with death in the way that they're going to do because they're going to release the pathogen station wide and just wipe everybody out and he mm -hmm. says you don't have to suffer this way and he shoots him cold yep. blood just right there shoots him yep and i don't uh, believe now like when he calls it a mercy killing mm-hmm I think he does it just because he hates Mike. Malik takes some samples of pathogens and they go down to the embryos and manage to grab the embryos. And that's how the episode ends. So mm -hmm. the station is at risk. We're cliffhangering it, basically. Uh, the station is at risk. Uh, they've got what they wanted. Uh, and now, you know, we will go into the next episode. But dun, dun, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Uh, Justin, I want to start with you this time. Yes. Uh, how'd you feel about this episode? There's a lot. I agree with you. I think this is the of the three uh, episode arc. I think this is the best one because there's a lot. Of, there's high stakes in this episode um, with uh, Song and the Augments taking the Dr. Lucas and the uh, staff of the station hostage and the whole thing where they're basically... Uh, torture you know torturing other people to try to get dr luce gave up the access codes so they could access uh the the storage area where the um uh, genetically enhanced embryos are which is similar you know, to what like you said did yeah on a uh, regular one yeah when he was trying it's, to find it's, the it's, genesis yeah torpedo. that's actually a good point i didn't think of that it definitely kind of like is a tie into you know like how what he did to uh uh the uh scientists of project genesis in that's mm -hmm. uh, but um uh, like you mentioned um i love that you see that you know even soon as doing it's gonna be you know like it's like there's certain lines he won't cross and like he literally gets down on his knees and begs lucas to give him the access code because he doesn't want to kill the other scientists even though he's threatening to you see in his voice, he's like, "I don't want to do this. Just give me the code," because he because he he doesn't want to go through with it. And whereas Malik, on the other hand, <laughs> Malik, that's the thing I was going to say. Malik, uh, Song tells Malik to give him the antidote. Malik refuses, and he dies. Mm -hmm. And and so and you see the look, you see how Song's reaction when the guy's dead. It's like he's devastated because. He didn't want to go that far, but of course, Malik doesn't. You know, as we see, he's a complete sociopath. He doesn't care. Um, I mean, if you weren't clear what kind of person Malik was early in the episode, when Sun confronts him about what happened to Rakeem, he gives him a complete bullshit story about what happened with crocodile tears included, and soon buys it hook, line, and sinker, saying that, "Oh no, he he." he he, I didn't want to kill him. He came at me. I had to defend myself. I had to kill him. I, I didn't want to, but I didn't have a choice. And, which is a complete opposite. Where it's like he, it's like he orchestrated the coup, and he murdered Rakeen in cold blood, giving him a chance to fight back. So it's like it's complete BS. And mm -hmm. Sung believes him, and because he puts on this this wonderful performance of being like, oh, I, it's like I'm sorry, father. I, you know, it's like you know, it's like. And it's mm -hmm. so it like, oh, no, no, it's it's my fault. I, I shouldn't have left you all behind all these years. You know, it's like, you know, it's like that right there shows you exactly what kind of a person and a villain Malik is, w w the way he plays 
his father like a fiddle in that scene about mm. what happened about about what happened to uh rakeen uh rakeen sorry um mm -hmm. and then of course the where he lets the scientist die uh refusing to uh obey his father like like the other augments uh are keen to do um uh you brought up the scene where um one of my favorite scenes of the whole arc is in this episode where um uh Phlox is having a, is trying to eat, and he's having a hard time because he's worried about his friend Doctor Lucas. And him and Archer have this great conversation about the ethics of genetic engineering, and um, because Phlox is like, he's like, I understand why humans, you know, put these restrictions in because of eugenics wars. He goes, but I've been looking at Doctor Soon's work, and there's really good stuff in there. Mm -hmm. So like Fox is like and goes, it's a shame that he is locked up in jail because it, because he's saying basically like he's got there's some good ideas in his research that could be beneficial in the future. Yeah. And and Archer talks to him about, you know, what brought up in the last episode about his father, um, the disease that he passed away from his sons, kind of like a form of like Alzheimer's um, the way he describes it but um a little different and um wonders you know like if the restrictions uh, the laws against uh, genetic engineering research um didn't exist would they have found a cure for the disease that his father died from by now if you know if they didn't have those restrictions and wonder you know like what if and and then i love at the end where um marcher mentions he goes your people the noblins you guys have been doing genetic engineering for some time now and uh, and you guys didn't come close to having a uh, eugenics wars and, and nearly destroying yourselves and fox said yes i guess maybe we're we're fortunate we're lucky you know basically saying and, he, and, and i like how archer says um what was it um he goes um maybe it was because your instincts had caught up with your intellect is why that happened mm -hmm. why you guys were able to not have a con problem eugenics wars like like humanity did you know it's like that you know like that that you'd you'd advance your society and your and your ethics as a whole advance to the point where you could be able to handle that stuff responsibly and not have the worst case scenario you know like con and the eugenics wars happen mm -hmm. and i thought that i was a wonderful conversation debating about especially the side of using that kind of research to be able to cure prevent deadly diseases you know as we talked about earlier i really love that scene it's well acted between uh scott bacula and um and john billingsley um i love that scene i thought it was great mm -hmm. and um also there's a great last thing um i love that when um they they they're captured and soon sees udar and he's like they told me you die and then he finds out you know that they um Rakian had ordered that he be banished because for obvious reasons he used he's not he's not he's he's inferior to them he's not like them and um archer has one of the best lines of the entire arc uh i got it right here uh let's see let me bring it up here um because you know, song is like shocked that they would do that and um he goes um why are you so surprised? Let me see. I got it written down here. Where is it? Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, why are you so surprised? Whenever a group of people start believing they're better than any everyone else, the results are always the same. Mm-hmm. And that's a great line because he doesn't have to invoke things like the Nazis and other other groups that have you know had the same kind of attitudes of uh, we are the superior, everyone else is inferior. You know, therefore, it is we shall you know rule over humanity and guide them. And it's like he doesn't have to invoke them by name. Just that line enough is allows you to be able to click to go there yourself. Like, oh, you know exactly the kind of groups and people Archer is referencing with that line. Yeah, this is a great line. This has its its tones so heavily into what uh, a lot of what the Nazis and the Aryans were were trying to yeah. do. And what's interesting here is um, the idea of Flock saying, you know, I've read his work. There's some genius ideas in here. I I really feel the way, at, and I I I put this in, into context. Um, I've read Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. Man was a horrible man, absolutely. But there are ideas that he presents in Mein Kampf, which are genius ideas. And done right could actually be a benefit to mankind. And I believe that. But it's when you put those actions and think you're better than everyone and and you go the routes that you do, that you create severe problems, you know, and this definitely has those tones of, yeah, there are possibilities here, but you've gone too far you've gone the wrong way you know and and soon here's the thing too what what's really fascinating here is that soon in a way he reminds me of adolf hitler this idea that he is not an augment he's not he's a normal human being who's a genius but he is a normal human being hitler was a representation of of a, a, of of like it, it's funny He's not even German. He's got, you know, history in the very people that he hates. He is a representation of everything that he is fighting against. He was not Syrian ideal as the Nazis. Exactly. And soon, and there's a lot of that way too, soon is flawed. So it's interesting to me how the augments follow him so much, you know, and allow this to continue and to go. Uh, I, I see that the, those parallels pretty heavily here. Uh, to, to put this in an even modern connection, I just, uh, my wife and I just got done watching Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And I see it there too in, in the high evolutionary, uh, the villain in that film, this idea that he believes he's better than everyone else. And he believes that perfection is the only goal and that everyone else is worth destroying over it. Yeah, I think, what is it Rocket says he said? He says it's in the trailer. He says he says he didn't want things to be de- or better. You wanted them to be perfect. You yeah or you yeah something to that effect. Yeah, perfecting humanity. Yeah, yeah. that's a great you great job of bringing a high evolutionary who it, 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 it is exactly the kind of person that um it's like it's like Arxun could have been even worse than that, but. It's like he still has some of his morals, like we, we've seen, you know, with like, you know, you know and but uh, he's also bl- genre blind. Like when Archer says that, like he goes, why are you so shocked that that they banished him? He's not like that. It's like he's not he's not 100 uh, percent superior like the rest of them. 
So therefore, uh, he is a weakness, a weak link that they needed to get rid of. Is is like it is like of course they do that. Is it's like it's like it's like Archer pointing out the blinds that soon has when it comes to the augments and, and the problems of the you know because like we see in the flashback in the beginning of the episode when he's teaching them as children like you know like they fear you because you're better you mm-hmm. are superior that's why they're afraid of you it's I, like he he brought in them that you are you are better than the ordinary human you are the future you are superior and so like like Archer said when people think they are superior and better than others bad things happen oh yes right? and and, and so. I'll end end that on this and then we'll go into the final episode the the climax of the sh- of this this arc uh I wonder too if the idea of truly understanding the compassion of humanity comes with having faults and defects and because mm-hmm. of that it allows us to develop a, a better sense of humanity of 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 compassion because we understand that people struggle because the greatest teacher different. of failure is yeah. Abs- yoda got to bring it all together right yeah. <laughs> but i wonder that in in creating these perfect human beings i say perfect you know quote quote uh they lose that sense of humanity and morality because they have nothing left to understand struggle they've never had to struggle they've never had to fight because they are perfect now they've been on the run and all all of that but within themselves there are no flaws no foreseeable flaws but in that that creates a flaw so it's interesting that in not having a flaw you are insanely flawed and that is the human condition having flaws is what makes us human that goes on to data and understanding data and i think that we'll tie that in momentarily when we talk about soon and and And, finale in this uh in what makes data so human through the entire series i'm going to tie that in here and on a personal note Mm -hmm. i wouldn't want to change who i am right Absolutely. My physical ability, I wouldn't want to change it because as as someone that's who, made me who I am. As someone who's on the autism spectrum, I've struggled with that fight. Do would I give up my autism and and who I am if it meant I could survive? If it meant I didn't have to struggle the way that I did? And there are sometimes I felt that way. Sometimes, yes. yeah, yes, yeah. but. It also makes me who I am and my humanity and my compassion for life and my joy for life comes from the struggles that I have seen. Mm-hmm. So I can't give that up because then if I do that, I'm not me anymore in yep. any way. Yep. And, and last I want, thing before we move on to the but, last episode, uh, yeah. to go with what you say about, you know, the, our flaws, you know, allowing us to struggle and learn how to, you know, improve ourselves. That's the heart of what Star Trek is about humanity you know, learning and struggling to rise above our flaws in order to not be perfect, but be better. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, and, and it's not possible without, you know, the flaws that are inherent in who we are. And like you said, removing them, try to make a more perfect human and like the augments, you run into a whole different set of problems as a result. Right. You got right. it. So we we will move uh, further now into let's see, there we go. Uh, we move into the final episode here. So it 
continues immediately right after. Called the augments. <laughs> called the augments. Yes, mm -hmm. Archer. Archer uh, wants to stop the the uh, spread of the viruses that could go through the station. So they say there's only one place you can go to do that. Uh, and at the very least, we have everybody here. The rest of the station will be lost, but everybody's here. So if we could protect the main core or this main room, then everybody's going to be fine. Okay, so Archer risks himself. He goes into this juncture uh, and he's, he's going to going to do this uh but the room is going to be flooded as well with where where he where he's at and he's running out of time he's running out of time <laughs> manages to to rewire everything and tells to paul to paul fire the phasers exactly where i'm at right now and he creates a, a vacuum and it sucks him out into space after he gets it off uh and they beam him aboard the enterprise before the the coldness of space can can take him over so they mm -hmm. do manage to save him which is which is great but soon did manage to get all 1800 embryos aboard the ship mm -hmm. uh, and managed to get away um so archer you know saves the day there but now they're back to square one and what they're going to do um so the plan is soon wants to take them and hide them somewhere so they can raise and be left in peace. In the Briar Patch. They're going to go the to the Briar, Briar Patch. Patch. That's a nice yep. reference. Nice, nice, nice reference. There are two planets there. Hmm. Mm. This would have been, by the way, would have been really interesting if they had ended up on the Baku planet. Yeah, I was about to say, like, I I, I don't think, even if they'd able to get there, I don't think Soong's plan would work because I don't think the Baku would have allowed Soong and them to uh, set up shop. It on depends the on the timing of everything, too, yeah. and who was there and when. But anyway. And also, I think the, the Baku had been there for like a couple hundred years. So they were they were already there on the planet in the Briar Patch yeah. when this took place. But they did so say like, there were two planets. So, so you it's know. It's like, sorry, soon. Uh, the planets are, the, the Briar Patch is already occupied. Collectical <laughs> rocked. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, anyway. Uh, so that is his plan. Of course, Malik objects to the plan. Of course. Um, because Khan also, he now he says Khan ran away on the Botany Bay. Now, again, it's really, I, I don't know if that's fact. If, again, it was Khan escaping or Khan was sent that way. It's still very speculative. But this is that, that what gives yeah. that credence, the idea that Khan, no, it wasn't a prison ship. Khan was saving his people and running mm. away from Earth before they could be taken care of. So mm. this is where that gives that credence and why why that says that. But again, we still don't fully know. But he makes reference. That was more, Malik's, that was more Malik said that that's what he thought. That it's like yeah. it felt like he was because he was he was making guesses as to why Khan. It's left. still really hard to say. It's just yeah. one of those things that is, yeah. is still a debate. Um, so. The Enterprise re arrives in Klingon space and they fake a, a warp signature so they can hide. Mm -hmm. uh, Archer and they doing... pretend to be carrying the Chancellor. Carrying the Chancellor from Orion space. Oh, we know about the Chancellor's dealings and mm. negotiations, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Archer, <laughs> Archer does a good job bluffing that Klingon captain uh, yeah. in that scene, I thought. So Soong uh, releases one of the hostages uh, on the Denobian shuttle into a gas giant. Uh, in order to prevent the Enterprise from falling, because they have to mount a rescue to save them. The ship mm -hmm. is perfectly safe, but it won't be for long if they don't do something. So they, uh, you know, Enterprise does that and they escape. However, while they're escaping, 
Mount proposes a new plan. I'm going to trigger a war between the Klingons and the and Starfleet, which they'll no one will find us because the they'll be too busy, busy dealing with the Klingons. They're going to release all the pathogens into the atmosphere of a Klingon outpost, and by doing that, destroying it entirely, killing all the people, and angering the Klingons at Earth. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, of course, uh, Soong does not like this. He does not agree with it at all. Says this is not a good idea. This this is not what our purpose. This is genocide. That's mm. not what I want here. And okay. then, <laughs> yeah, uh, and he's so often it's another coup d'état. It's yep. a coup d'état. Yes, Malik says, you know what, Father, I love you, but I'm locking you up. And he locks him up and said, we're gonna go with my plan. I'm in charge now. Yep, and everyone sides with Malik. Mm-hmm. Of course, <laughs> yes. of course. Yeah, uh, but uh, uh, as a Parsis. Persis, Persis helps him Persis. escape at the risk of her own life. She agrees uh, and helps him escape in a in a in a escape pod uh, so he can get back to the Enterprise. Meanwhile, we're back on the Enterprise. We get a short little thing between T'Pol and Tucker that I think plays mm-hmm. more into an overall arc with mm-hmm. them. It's short, not enough that I I have to go into a big deal about it, yeah. but talks about the relationship between T'Pol and Tucker. And Tucker, in his own way, basically says, "Look, I loved you." But it never would have worked anyway. What's the point? You're married. Now let's move on. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But it sets up something really, really important with them. Mm. Oh, yeah. Their their relationship is going to be new now, but it kind of births something very important. But uh, it's a short moment, but it plays into the rest of the season later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Soon wants to, the, the main thing with Soon too is that he wants to work out the uh, aggressive tendencies in the augments. That specifically is what Malik is against. I forgot to mention mm. that. Yeah, he uh, wants to tinker. Yeah, he wants to tinker. And, and he's probably right here. Um, anyway, so the Enterprise captures him, okay? Um, and they follow the ship. He says, this is where they're going. Stop them. You have to stop them. Um, the Enterprise is forced to disable a Klingon cruiser when it, when it tries to board. This time, you know, a real battle ensues. Uh, they they manage to get away from the Klingon cruiser. Um, but Malik, in the process, uh, as we're going back and forth, kills Persis for her betrayal. So she's killed. Yep. Uh, that's three of his own that he's killed Probably so enough after making love. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he killed Rackin, he killed Udar, and then he killed Persis. So yeah, it's like, yeah... If someone who cares about the augments, he sure has no qualms and, about killing his own. And he and he killed them right after they stopped so, being romantic. So yeah, he yeah. arms uh, he he arms a torpedo uh, with the pathogens and prepares it to be fired. Um, Enterprise arrives just a moment too late, and he fires on the planet. Uh, but the Enterprise chases after it and fires their own torpedoes and manages to detonate it. Just before it reaches the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, just in time. Malik um soon manages to help disable the Klingon ship, hoping that he can save some of the augments. However, Malik scuttles the ship. In a killing... very Khan-like moment. Very much very so. obvious homage to Wrath of Khan there. Yep. And he kills all of the other augments and embryos and transports himself aboard the ship to get to kill Soon. He's going to get his revenge. However, uh, Archer manages to take on Malak and actually beat him in a very Kirk 
Khan kind of moment. And mind you, one of the things that I do like about this, we get a demonstration of the Augment's strength abilities. They're five mm -hmm. times as strong. Mm -hmm. and we get it. He kind of toys with them a little bit, but he ends up beating him, uh, which, again, very indicative of Kirk, the spite between and Kirk and Khan. It's a brutal kill, too. Literally uh, putting a hole in him. He, yeah. He, yeah, he literally puts a hole in Malik's uh, chest with the mm -hmm. with the phaser rifle to kill mm -hmm. him. The only, which is probably the only way to stop him because, like, stun... As as they showed previously, stun the stun setting has no effect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, the Klingons call off their attack on Earth, and that's not going to happen. We understand. Okay, Soong is re-detentionalized, and he realizes that you know what, my work in genetics, this just isn't the way to go. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what might work? Artificial intelligence. There's mm. some great prospects in artificial intelligence. Might take a generation ends. or two. Yeah. Yep. Maybe the <laughs> next generation. Mm. Wait, wait. Put it in there. Put it in there. Put it in there. All right. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> Justin, uh, we, we definitely got to get through this. Uh, yeah. What did you think of tying everything together in this this with this episode? Uh, I, I thought I did a decent job. I mean, this is a very um um action heavy um uh, finale here. Um, where it's like. Uh, they don't really deal with a lot of the moral questions that was brought up in the first two episodes. Outside the brief scene where um, Archer really gives it to Sun when he um, they recapture him, uh, including a, a nice callback where uh, Archer says, talks about how like superior ability breeds superior ambition. Mm. One of the creators of the Augments wrote that before, uh, just before he was murdered by one of them. Um, that superior that that that's a direct uh, callback to. Uh, a line that Spock said about the Khan and uh, and the Superman mm -hmm. in Spacey. He mm -hmm. said that superior. They're the reason why they turned on each other and they and everything fell apart. Instead of them, you know, conquering Earth was superior ability breed superior ambition. So that was a it was a cool little uh, nod to uh, Spacey. Um, but yeah, it, it was a good resolution. I mean, it's like in a um, they're able to stop them. And you know everything is resolved. They saved the day. The the Klingons back off, especially because they saved the colony. Um, I like. There's some really cool tactics where, especially, love how Archer comes up with the idea to use the um, the tow cables to get mm. free from the Klingon ship uh, to wreck their nacelles yeah. so and uh, yeah. uh, get the colony in time to uh, stop the augments. Oh, that was a good. That move. was a really. That was very clever. I thought that was a neat idea. Um. It, it, it's it's like it's not as good as the previous episode you know it's like because it, because you know it's like it, it um it definitely feel it's like okay we gotta get this all wrapped up everything um you know so especially Malik gets very you know over the top here especially uh, it shows that he it, he care he definitely cares more about himself than anybody else I mean he doesn't even try to save the rest of his crew it's like he saves his own himself just so he can be able to try to get revenge on Archer and uh, Sung there at the end. And it's like, you know, it's like, he doesn't, it's like, he could have transported the embryos out and, or whatever, but no, no. It's like, it's like, nah, I'm just gonna uh, let everyone else die and I'm gonna go out in a blaze of glory get my revenge. You know, it's like, and you know, it, yep. it, that definitely fits with this character. So, there it is. Yeah. yeah. But, um, in uh, good tie-in in the end with, you know, Sung, you know, realizing it deciding to to go into uh artificial intelligence instead mm -hmm. which 
course, ties into his descendants and, his, you know, his grandson, Dr. Nguyen Soon, mm-hmm. and the creation of Data, Lore, and all that stuff in the TNG era. So um, a little too on the nose was like, it may take a generation to do it. I thought that was a little bit much there at the end. It's like, it was definitely like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, but it's like Trek fans are like, uh, yeah, no, we know what you mean. <laughs> it was a little, it was a little bit much on the nose, but um, so, but overall, this is these three episodes are a lot of fun. Um, some great um tie-ins and connections to other parts of truck history, and um, it it definitely is a sign of things to come for this season of Enterprise because some of the other arcs that come after this are even better than this. Yeah. It's like, uh... I, I want to note that this final episode was directed by LeVar Burton. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. LeVar yep, Burton thanks. directed this. Uh, this was his 28th overall episode that he had directed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes into it. Uh, so I, I, and I do really enjoy this. Uh, I wish he had kind of, they, I wish he had Frank sit, you know, and kind of done all yeah. of the arc, but that's okay. That's all right. Uh, I do enjoy that very much. The other two episodes are pretty well directed, but yeah, it would have been cool if uh, LeVar had done all three. But... It ties it together really nice, and I love the idea that that soon comes around and goes, you know what? Perfection in humanity is, we're just, we can't do it. We just can't. And we witnessed it. You know, art, I, now I don't know where, where, at what point he goes, artificial intelligence, but I'm like, come on, man. Really? Did you have to wink, wink, nudge, nudge us any harder? Very than that on one? the nose. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it bit... is what it is. Yeah. Uh, so we get that. Uh, and I, I really thoroughly enjoyed this this trilogy of episodes. This definitely mm-hmm. is so much fun. It's a callback to Space Seed. It, it leads us forward. It, it gives us so much. This Let's... is probably the best season of Enterprise. Absolutely. I I'm, I'm hard on that. I I I understand why. Except you said maybe that. for the last episode. For me, I'm third. Third season is my favorite. I I don't okay, find anything in third yeah, season. Yeah. yeah, but I see why you say that. And for me, I would separate this almost into like mini series, kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them that I just. This is the first that does this. They do this. Then we have the Vulcan arc, which is really good. The yep. Romulan War arc, which is really good. Uh, we have a lot of different ones in here that are just fabulous. The Great Mary Universe two part one to do yeah. trios. No yeah. other one has done trios like this, self-contained, mm-hmm. and, and that's why we did this. But uh, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, yeah. Brennan, what about you? You, you recommend it. this? See it? See it? Absolutely. That's all I got to say. I love it. Yeah, take a ch- chance on. If you're not an Enterprise person, but you are into Star Trek history or you know the kind of the mythos, watch this one. Mm-hmm. definitely watch this one they should definitely check out a lot of the stuff from season four because that's yeah. like oh the, yeah the the, the, the these like uh three episodes are uh, yeah. prime the, really the, the true yeah Vulcan storage all that stuff with the andorians oh yeah jeffrey combs yeah jeffrey combs. good jeffrey stuff combs. yes yeah. all right well next week next week we are not done with augments people uh-oh because next week we have another movie with our good friend Chris Doman coming back for one more episode with us. And possibly another guest. Possibly we'll another guest, a special guest, uh, also a big Star Trek fan. Uh, we're going to look at Star Trek Into Darkness. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Khan's our villain. Spoiler alert, the marketing campaign sucked. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 
Uh, but I think that we are going to be approaching some of the same conundrums that we are approaching right here in these episodes. I uh, couldn't in, keep a secret to save their lives. Uh, we've talked about We'll that. get there. We'll get there. We yeah. will get there. So, uh, Justin, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, at uh, jtoner1977. It's usually, it's like I tweet here and there. It's about the extent of my uh, <laughs> online uh, social presence. Uh, uh, it's uh, This has been a lot of fun. I'm glad you guys had me back and I look forward we to We always enjoy talking with you. Very yeah, much so. I look forward to the next time that I can Oh yes, on. there will be more. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. It was fun to be able to revisit, reminding me of that. Yeah, this is when Enterprise really got good, and it's like it was. It was really fun to revisit these uh, episodes after uh, I hadn't watched them in years. So it was. This was. This was great, and then it was a great discussion too um, about the the issues and and stuff brought up in these episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brennan, where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Brennan Mystical. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Brennan Blue. Facebook at Brennan Marr and you know the, the usual social hangouts. Yes, uh, you can find me on Twitch and Twitter at C Ingle nineteen eighty four, uh, where again I keep advertising it. I will be taking on Star Trek games during July, uh, and those recordings once they clear Twitch, I will be moving to our YouTube channel uh, just so we can continue and play along and you can uh see me take on some different star trek games on on twitch and also be sure to follow our podcast on youtube mm-hmm. under page journeys they were not or everywhere you get your podcast awesome at page journeys they were not but as always we end every episode Kapla! and live long and prosper peace and long life